0: Hey, you ever heard of Zaz Jars? It's this cool idea where you can actually order food jars on a weekly basis. They rotate weekly from pickled turnips to pickled lemon, pickled peppers as well. They got soups, sweets, and much more. They deliver to both the GTA and outside so you can get in on the hype. Follow their Instagram at at ZazJars for more information on weekly releases. You don't want to miss out.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Lion's Den podcast, episode number 50, The Big Five O. For those of you listening and scratching your head right now thinking why this isn't Ferry's voice, uh, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Zaid, a longtime friend of Feri's. Uh Faye decided he to do something very special for this episode, episode number 50. So I will be your guest host for today. And alongside with me, of course, I've got somebody with a business background from in my opinion, one of the best schools in the world. Uh, someone who's been through a career change recently. Also has two podcasts and has a great creative mind, always looking through something creative. So if you haven't guessed it by now, yes, that's right. Today I got Feddy with me. Feddy, how are you, bro? You what an intro, man. I told you I'd give you a good intro, you didn't believe me. I appreciate I that I told man. You.
0: Creative mind. Look at that. Barely. Like growing up I couldn't even cut straight. Now- <laughs> Now I'm creative, but it's cool, man. I appreciate the appreciate the intro. Thanks for your hopping on, doing this. It's, uh, I can't believe, first of all, that we're even at 50.
1: That's big. That is Pretty big. Pretty wild. I guess yeah.
0: releasing two a week kind of helps, but mm-hmm. uh, 50 is wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for hopping on.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate you asking me to uh, be the one to interview you. Uh, it's a great honor to do it. And just why don't you just explain, you know, why you wanted to do this episode, why you wanted to hop on for the number, why you want to for you know. Episode number 50 and what your kind of goal is for this episode, maybe.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, A lot of people have asked, like, hey, what do you do? You know, what's your (laughs) journey?
1: Because obviously
0: starting this podcast, I've just been interviewing people. And I mean, I've dropped tidbits here and there, but I haven't really said anything about the career change. Figured I'd leave it for the episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, I mean, other than the fact that I am the host and I want people to get to know me a little bit better. I think my journey kind of fits perfect in the goal of the podcast itself my background is not traditional my current journey is the least traditional yeah and the future is even less traditional so it's uh it's a little crazy but uh i figured you know why not just let people in let them know what's going on yeah share my journey share my path a little bit and and
1: go from there so let's talk about you know I, i alluded to it before career change big decision what are you doing now and where are you doing it who are you doing it for uh so you know just tell us what you're doing now
0: yeah, for sure. So uh, a lot of people who are close would know that this was kind of a long time coming. Yeah. Uh, people who know my personality kind of see, okay, well, this is definitely on brand yeah. with, uh, with you. So I do have an HR background, business background. I did business in school, obviously mm-hmm. best university out there. Yeah,
1: let's go. Brock University. There it is, baby. Uh,
0: I never really got a chance to love it fully. I, I tried to. I honestly did try to, but yeah. I always felt like my heart was somewhere else. I've always been into... Uh, teaching that was always something that i inquired about i i don't know why i never pursued it mm-hmm. when i should we'll talk about
1: that we'll talk about it you we know, yeah. we'll try to dip, dig deep on that one for sure
0: um, but there were a lot of signs on, along the way that were like kind of pointing towards teaching like teaching's mm-hmm. the way teaching's the way uh, i never really got a chance to do it cuz i got you know engaged married right out of like right out of university <sighs> so Didn't really have a chance. You know, it was, uh, locked it, She locked it up pretty quick. Come on, Are you serious? I didn't go for a dreams yet. Yeah, you know, like I didn't really have a chance to, like, consider, uh, an education or even, like, a whole new education or a career shift. Um, I was just focused on finding, you know, finding my space in my industry. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I actually, when I was engaged, I did attend an open house for Teachers College. Yeah. So it's been something in the works for a while, but, uh, I had the opportunity a few months ago to join PCC, Philip, Panthers. College. The Panthers. It, it, life comes at you full circle. I never yeah. attended there, but I mean, I grew up in the church, and yeah. our church does run that school. So now I'm there teaching. So uh, it's been amazing. I joined at the end of November last year. Yeah. And it's just been a constant grind. I'm teaching grade four, I'm teaching grade 10.
1: What are you teaching? What what subjects? Uh
0: grade 4 I'm doing uh language, science, science. Can you believe it? Cause we're going to talk about we're talk that. We that yeah, exactly. super ironic science. That I'm teaching science. Thank god but, it's grade uh, 4
1: science. Thank god. Even that's <laughs> a little tough, I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like,
0: pulleys and gears, I was like,
1: "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> They're like,
0: "What's a gear?" I'm like, "That's a great question." Uh no, I'm just playing. But uh yeah, grade 4 science, language, uh and then grade 10 religion. Nice. Uh only New Testament stuff. No no Old Testament mm-hmm. for me, but uh and I'm doing younger, like grade one to three phys ed, which is that that is the hardest one, I think.
1: That's a broad group of kids, and we'll we'll get more into yeah for sure we're into the teaching. But I kind of want to hit on the point where you said this is kind of a long time coming, and for me, you know, knowing you personally, I know this stems back from high school to high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know, let let's just talk about high school. You know, I, it's it kind of sucks at 16, 17, 18 years old, you're forced. To make a decision, to decide what you wanted to do. And I know I was a part of your decision because I I feel like I convinced you to go one way a little bit. Um, But explain to us like you enabled me. I I definitely enabled you. That's for sure. But explain to us, you know, not being the greatest science student. So Uh, for sure. What are the options at that point? What were you going through? What were you thinking? And how did your family influence it? How did your family friends influence it? I know there was influence there. How did, you know, that community stigma influence it as well? I mean,
0: stemming back to even before high school, like I always wanted to actually be a dentist, ironically,
1: because wow. I had braces Dang.
0: at a young age and I thought it was kind of interesting. So right. I was like going to the orthodontist, So you know, it'd be kind of a cool career. Obviously, when you're young, you don't really know what's required for dentistry. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a few years in high school and my mom was a pharmacist. So yeah. obviously, I mean, there it is. Know, uh, how many <laughs> times you hear that? But my yeah. mom is a pharmacist. So I actually got a chance to shadow her in high school. Nice. She paid me twenty bucks a day to post up in the pharmacy in
1: Brampton. That's money. Yeah, and, and at grade that 10, time, in grade ten, great ten, minimum wage was is like nine dollars, ten dollars at that time, yeah, bro.
0: In grade that's ten, it's good money, but it's like a few years later. You look back, you're like, dude, that's like two dollars <laughs> an hour, two <laughs> fifty. Oh, that was a day oh the whole day yeah oh that was an hour no no no. it was 20 bucks oh. cash for the day yeah. oh yeah she hustled you for sure yeah that's yeah. i remember i'd like go in and like run the ac in the car and just sleep i was <laughs> such a bad kid but, uh anyways I, I figured out pretty early that you know i can't like that's just a bit of a low energy environment and mm-hmm. i'm very high energy i can't really do yeah. stuff like that so uh whatever i i figured you know i'll give science a shot and we'll see where it goes from there so i did I knew it wasn't gonna be it, but I was <laughs> like, you know, whatever. I'll just try anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, grade eleven chemistry was my uh, was my sort of like the waking moment, yeah. Where it's like, yo, this this just isn't it. Like yeah. it just didn't make sense to my brain, and mm-hmm. it didn't really work out. I didn't do well at all. And then heading into the second semester, I had bio and physics. Whew. I was like, dude, I'm just gonna, you know, like that's not happening at all. Uh, so I, that's when you were like, yo, just say, come to consider, business, come consider over, consider the dark side, because you <laughs> were pretty set, like from from the get go, you knew what you were gonna do. Yeah. Uh, so you're like, yo, hop hop on this way. It's it's not that bad. So I looked over. I was like, yo, you know, look, things look greener on the other side. So mm-hmm. I I dropped my science courses. I you know the story. I walked in and I just Same. had the biggest smile on my yeah. face. I'm like, yo, I dropped it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going business. So I took accounting. Uh, I enjoyed it, international business, marketing, and not marketing, economics, Economics I think we had in, in high school, yeah. So uh, shout out to Mr. Morata I was going to say Shout out to Mario Morata Murata. Oh, Murata. He's wow. also a Brock alumni is he, the reason why the reason I found out about Brock And you told and me about Brock And I told Brock. you about
1: Brock So it, I, this I, I a actually legend. found
0: out about my program On draft night Draft night On like the application deadline night That's crazy I was tell you I was, How I feel about the program Because I was I was applying to accounting And I went on And I was oh, like Because accounting had the co-op Yes So I went on to apply And then I seen this business and I was like What the hell is business administration yeah. Co-op And the great And the average again It was less I'm like Let's do it What are we talking talking about that's money so i ended up getting into or applying it to that but uh i knew pretty early on that science wasn't going to be for me so i i ended
1: up going the business route and then obviously so do you know why you you because another another teacher that i think for some i don't know why there's a bunch of teachers in our high school mr michelli Mm. miss singh yeah those teachers mr adams those teachers kind of made it made you want to be a teacher yeah and even in high school you mentioned i actually
0: messaged mr michelli when i got my job uh, at, PCC. at PCC, what are you uh, he said, he uh, said he was like I, I, you'll be a great. It's just something about like you'll It'll be a be great be. teacher. Like it was just a, a nice message. But.
1: Um, I remember you wanting to get into teaching, or you had some sort of itch to teach or get into teaching. Do you remember or have any clue why you kind of turned it down?
0: No, I don't remember at all. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't remember at all. I feel like it was just a thing that I talked to because my aunt was a te- or is a teacher currently, so she's yeah. a little bit older than me. Uh, so back when I was going through it, she was a teacher fully working. We talked about it all the time mm-hmm. and Anne's a teacher. And I know that she was in Con Ed like we started dating when I was in grade 12. So I mm. I had time to, you know, to really consider that. Yeah. So obviously with that, I don't even know. I, I couldn't even tell you why. I just never did it. And then business came along and I was like, yo, this sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Brock University is, you know, we're going to move in together. It sounds yeah. lit. Yeah, that, was, just, that was amazing. And honestly like stupidly enough brock had a great con- concurrent con ed education program, program. Yep. and it's just but like you said at 16 17 you have to make all these hard decisions and you like man, know. like i at that point instagram was just coming out i didn't even know what filter i wanted to use but they're like <laughs> yo you got, you got to tell me what program you want to study for the rest of your life or how, do for for the rest of your life how
1: did your parents take the business route how did family friends take the business yeah, yeah, route sure. how did that how did that for me i was lucky i had my 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 dad wanted me to go into accounting so yeah, yeah. i had it made for me but for you how did that how did that go about?
0: For sure. So a couple of things, because I didn't even address the question earlier about like the societal or yeah, cultural yeah, that's pressures. I wanted to bring up. Yep. Uh, but uh, to that point, like you definitely feel it, whether it's it's not necessarily someone like confronting you and telling you, yo, you should do this. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes y- your parents will tell you, hey, you should consider that. But at the end of the day, like your parents just want you to have a stable, successful career. Yeah. And to them, that's where they see the success. And those are very successful, stable careers. But they're not the only ones. Absolutely. You know, but they're the ones that, you know, once you get into that kind of field, it's stable. You're going to be successful. You're going to have a long career. It is what it is. But when I was considering it, like, I always felt like I didn't want to let my parents down. And then my parents never had that requirement for me. They never told me, yo, we need you to to do this to carry the family name. Like, it was <laughs> never, it was never anything like that. But you always felt like that was the path for the smart person in our community. Science. And you know, whatever, like when you, when, you, when you end up there and you do that, like that's the, that's the formula for being smart. And mm-hmm. so there is always that pressure and you don't want to be like, you know, especially when you're growing. And, and a lot of our friends like ended up in those careers too. And you don't want to like your parents to feel like, you know, hey, my son's the one that's not doing that. You yeah. know, there's always those pressures that you feel. Uh, but thankfully for me, like my parents were very supportive from the get-go that mm-hmm. for them. The biggest thing was that I just don't honestly they were more stressed about me moving out than me
1: doing business <laughs> versus
0: science. Like like getting them to get me to move out was was a process. Like yeah. I had to get Teta, like a let, let, let's
1: let's talk about that because nobody really knows this story. And because you I mean, for me personally, the reason why I wanted you to come to Brock with me is because I didn't think I can go alone. I needed someone to 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 live with, to be with. Like it's it's tough to move out already. Move out alone is very tough for sure. So, you know, I was lucky with that. You came along, and then Cream came along as well. But,
0: and thank God for Ash and Beast,
1: and thank God for Ash and Our Beach. chaperones. And yeah, yeah, those are the big brothers kind of yeah. while we were there. So, you know, you almost didn't make it
0: to come over to Brock. Yeah. there was yeah, another school was, in the running.
1: Uh, it was uh, yeah yeah it was Mac actually uh, and McMaster and you didn't get in you missed that by what point five 0.5%, of, of a yeah, percent yeah. he didn't get into no. to McMaster and that was the best Thank thing God ever for me and for you thing, as well ever. but talk about obviously parents um, are tougher on on you when you move out talk about you know how you dealt with your parents not wanting you to move out and that moving out experience yeah,
0: yeah for sure so in general I'm very persistent with what I want like if if there's something that I've set my mind to, and I want to get it done. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get it done. Like there's there's nothing that you can do to stop when I'm when I'm like set on something. So I knew that that was something that I wanted to get done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, and I knew that was something that I wanted to get done. And I'm not gonna lie and say like, hey, I wanted it for my maturation process because I knew it was gonna be better for me. Like <laughs> no, absolutely not. Like I wanted it because you were gonna go, Kareem was gonna go. So <laughs> we we knew I knew two people there. So I'm like, yo, I'm gonna end up living with my friends i'm gonna freedom. have you know have a good time there's a lot of freedom, freedom. obviously growing up in our community you know there's there's i, I had curfews man yeah. I, had, yeah. I had to come home or i was that guy asking everyone you you mind like driving me home like it's <laughs> you know it's getting late it's 10 30 yeah uh no i had the curfew so i was i was ready to break free i was just you know ready to take off and mm-hmm. and you know just take on the world but uh it was it was tough to convince my parents because I was obviously like a mischievous child. bro. Yeah, like I, yeah. You know, it is I wasn't a bad kid by any means, but I just thought my focus, my my student habits weren't the greatest mm. at home. So my parents were like, you know, when we're here governing over you, you're not really focusing, but you want to move out. Yeah. And, you know, because there, you're taking a loan, you're doing whatever you need to do to yeah. get this education, which is pricey. So you don't, and then you're living there on top of that. So that's like almost double the expenses. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was tough, man. I had to get a lot of consultation, uh, third parties involved, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was, it was tough. But like you said, McMaster kind of saved. It was saved by the bell because had I gone into Mac, it it probably would have been Mac because you can direct commute with the GO bus. Exactly. And at that point, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure I would have had good. uh, Yeah, because I got into Ryerson, but. I was like, eh, I don't really want to go downtown. Like, yeah. it is what it is. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't get into Mac by 0.5%. It was the happiest day of my <laughs> life. Like, and no disrespect to Mac. Mac's a great school. has a great business program. But right. it from my journey, it needed to happen. And, like, looking back now, like... Thank God. Thank God. Like, Brock yeah. was the best experience. Yeah. It helped shape me as a person.
1: Uh, I met a lot of great people. And so you you keep great, keep, keep talking experience. about that experience. You know, like you said... you. Obviously, we didn't care about the maturation process. We didn't move out to be mature and change no, and grow up We because we moved out because we wanted freedom. We wanted to experience whatever we wanted to experience in university. But talk about the effect that it had on you in general. And, you know, is that is that something you recommend to people or kids that are in grade 12 right now thinking, do I do I leave home? Do I stay home? Is that something you recommend to them?
0: You know, it's, that's a great question. It's tough. And, and I think my stance on that has changed significantly Ooh. in the last few years. And not to say that I'm saying now it's not a good thing. Yeah. I'm just hesitant on how I say it because it's not a good thing for everybody. For sure not. Like to say like, hey, I recommend it because I think it can help you grow. That's a very generic blanket statement. And, and mm-hmm. moving out is a very hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And you either make it or you don't make it. And a lot of people, it's just not what they need it's not good for them yeah so i I don't know it's for me personally it helped immensely it helped me mature quickly yeah uh you learn responsibility you learn accountability you're living with people so you learn you know cleanliness to to an extent (laughs) And, and honestly you learn about yourself because you're put in situations where you have to figure stuff out on your own yeah like the first couple months where you're getting rocked by these university marks and exams and heavy schedules yeah and you're not coming home to your parents to your family like you have to figure stuff out on your own. You have to figure out how to get things done. Like, I remember I learned about, like, Sakai, which is, like, our online. Oh, my goodness. I learned Sakai. about that three weeks into the semester. I was yeah, stressing. That's that was where all the course material is. Yeah. Like, to think back, like, anyone who went to Brock knows, like, how do you find out about Sakai three weeks into the year? Yeah. So you can imagine, like, the stress. And my first mark ever was a zero because <laughs> I re, I didn't word the title like word for word what he wanted that was Herb wasn't it Herb McKenzie Herb yeah. McKenzie man. so it was it was a tough start but it, yeah. it helps but I mean not everyone deals with adversity the same and right. sometimes it just doesn't work out so I don't know I hesitate I, I definitely I give more disclaimers now than
1: before for yeah. sure so you got in you got into the BBA program Bachelor of Business Administration uh, that was you. that was the the program you said you found out the day of application day whatever it may be draft day draft day you want to call it um, you also got into the co-op program. Yeah. So, you know. Somehow, man. Somehow you got into the co-op program. The average is way higher I, than I it is. I finessed is, you know, that. I finessed. You finessed your whole Start university career, by the way. So let's not. Shout let's let's out Hollywood. to Beacon. Beacon, yeah. yeah Beacon if, you know, you know. if you know, you know. Um, know if you know, you know. Um, But talk about the co-op process. I don't know if you remember. We used to sit in that jail cell of a studio of ours, in one of ours. We used to set up the foldable table and apply to jobs, to co-op jobs. Yeah hundreds of hundreds of jobs and you're lucky if you get an interview. So buy t- 2
0: buy 2 get one free foot long subs
1: and we would yeah. schmuck those subs too. But yeah. so talk about, you know, the co-op program, the importance of it or do you think it's overrated um and talk about, you know, that BBA program as a whole. How yeah. did you how did you like it's it? How did you not like it?
0: Co-op is definitely not overrated yeah. by
1: any means. I think
0: there's there's no way you can say real concrete work experience is overrated and real concrete work relationships that can't be overrated. So it's what you make of it. Mm -hmm. I personally regret not making more of my co-op experience. Yeah. Uh, I kind of was more like, again, young, you know, Hey, if I group my co-ops now I can be home in the summer yeah. And, and go back to school in the fall. And then, you know, it doesn't. And then, oh, what if I, you know, if I just defer my last co-op term, I can finish school quicker. Yeah. So there's a lot of these thoughts that came into my mind personally, uh, which I, I kind of regret now that I, you know, looking back on it. Co-op was a great experience. I got a chance to work for Mercedes-Benz Murk. Financial. Murky. Uh, yeah, that was a great. It was an eight month experience. And mm. as great of an experience as it was, it was one of my biggest regrets of an experience because, again, when you're young, you don't really take full advantage of the opportunities that are given to you. Yeah. And I thought I could have done a better job. Like it was, it was a good company to be at, but you know, there's on, for example, like it's my first real work experience, right? So obviously now, now that I've worked in a company, you work in a company, you understand some days are just down days. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a, there's a key to looking busy or there's a (laughs) key to like asking people for work and, and like actually being more, You know, having more initiative that way. Right. But when it's your first job, you're like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, whatever. I'm I'm just chilling. Hanging out, waiting to be assigned something. Yeah. Uh, So there was a lot of that. Uh, Another thing, too, Mercedes hired a lot of co-op Brock students. Brock co-op students. Yeah. So a lot of people from my program were there going through similar experiences. You make friendships. Sometimes you get distracted. Right. Uh, So it is what it is. Like, I have no regrets because I built great relationships and I, you know, ultimately now ended up where I belong, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it, I definitely think it's a great experience and I should have made the most of it. What and if you
1: can get co-op, do it. What did you do at Mercedes? I know your title was not really indicative of what you no, actually did. I,
0: I, so it was, the title was project management and uh, <sighs> training and development.
1: That sounds fancy, baby. It
0: sounds fancy as hell. Dang. But I, I was pretty much so I was the assistant to two people. I was the assistant to the project manager and the assistant to the training and development guy. Mm-hmm. So on the project management side, I was brought in to do this project that was the customer success project to like, you know how to enhance customer experience and all that stuff. But it just, for some reason, the project never took off. So like it, it was kind of a weird experience on that front. Yeah. Um, but that's actually what opened my eyes to training and development because mm-hmm. I was working with uh, agents and helping them on their calls, going through calls Coaching them on how to get better. Um, so I, I really love that role because, I mean, I've from a coaching front, I coach sports since I was like 14. Yeah, yeah. I love coaching. I love guiding, directing. So training and development kind of seemed like my bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I knew because I had to concentrate. Uh, so BBA, the way it works is two years is generic. Yes. Then you got to concentrate. What do you want to do? Marketing, finance, major, whatever the case yeah. may be. So I figured training and development that falls under HR. Mm hmm. That's what I'm going to do. So I concentrated in human resources.
1: And you, you were for a bit, you talked to me about accounting when you wanted to concentrate. Yeah. And you talked to me about marketing. That's, I think, I think the three major usually are, or the two major of accounting, marketing, those are the two. Finance. Business, finance, sorry. Yeah, three major of that. HR kind of gets that fourth you know, place uh, no, in, uh, in, in popularity, in popularity. Sure. I'm yeah, about, yeah. You know, I'm being very, I'm generalizing you're a lot. you being very generous too. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you, you considered all, th- you considered not finance because we are both oh, horrible no, at finance. Could not do that. Um, but accounting, you considered, thank God you didn't get into it because you're not an accountant. You're not by not any that, means. Not that Why getting, I'm surprised you turned down. Yeah. Or didn't want, or didn't get into well, it.
0: Well, that like that, that's kind of reflective on my comment earlier about like, I never even used to know how to cut straight, but now I'm considered creative. Like, this this creativity came out late. After university. Like, this came out well after university. It was never – like, honestly, when I was introduced to the world of podcasting is when my Mm -hmm. mind started to run in creative ways. Because I guess maybe there was nothing I was, like, passionate about before or passionate enough about. Uh, So, I mean, marketing, I like I said, it wasn't really, like, my – my thing mm-hmm. uh, and i i honestly love training so when i felt when i did training and it was my only work experience yeah so i was like i don't know like i did training and development again you're young you're not really thinking straight whatever the case may be i was like training and development hr let's just do mm-hmm. it and i mean hr had no exams i was pretty yeah. much chilling
1: you were doing group projects while we yeah, were studying yeah. third for and exams. fourth year was, oh was a breeze
0: it was amazing
1: so you finish university You finished a semester ahead of me. You canceled your co-op terms, all that good stuff because you weren't thinking straight. And you dove into the insurance world. Yeah. And that is a tough world in general for a young kid straight out of university, 22 years old. A lot tougher. So talk to me about the industry, you know, what you had to learn to get into it, how it was and Explain the challenges because you would you would come visit me and you'd be like yo this is (laughs) this is tough this is tough to do yeah
0: honestly I always say this jokingly but like I kind of got finessed into into insurance like I'll tell you I'll tell you the story so after like after university like Brock had the job portal where you can like go on and apply to jobs through the portal so they had a bunch of stuff on their uh, investors group and they had like Sun Life and stuff so I'm like all right this stuff looks pretty enticing like whatever so I applied next day i get an interview for from both i'm like bro wow like this is what it looks like to be a grad i'm chilling <laughs> like got two interviews i was driving to like young and eglinton and like going back and forth i remember yeah. that those days and and at the time i was still dating N, and she was in scarborough mm-hmm. so i mean i would bust it to freaking whatever it was young and egg and then go to scarborough then yeah. come home tough times man uh that's when traffic was a real thing too yeah. so uh so, yeah, I kind of uh, was really unsure. And then I, I – I, so insurance was the Sun Life side. And then investors group was more like the finance, like financial planning, mm-hmm. uh, personal wealth, that kind of side. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we just said finance. Not it. Not my thing at all. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. And it's a shark industry. Like you yeah. need to be – very informed and very active and you know like educated so mm. i i knew that that was not the path for me but i ended up getting both jobs so i was like yo this is crazy <laughs> like i got two interviews i got two <laughs> jobs right away um this this must be a breeze so i ended up going with sun life and i'm i'm there and he's like yo congrats like okay now we need you to get this this license so i'm like license all right like what well, like what's the pay He's like, yeah, well, it's actually, um, it's commission only. <laughs> I was like, what? 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 Who coming in? <laughs> Who? Ooh. Um, yeah, he's like, it's commission only. So I was like, uh, all right. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just starting to figure out. Okay, I got this thing as to at Sun Life to be an insurance agent. Where I have to get my license, find my own clients. Yeah. I'm essentially starting my own business within insurance, something right. I'd never done before. Mm-hmm. I had I think at the time I was still under my parents' benefits. So I don't even think I had my own personal insurance. <laughs> like that I didn't know anything about this industry. I yeah. thought I was getting into this, you know, gonna get trained on it, and then eventually no no no. This was like you're signing on to be a full on business owner advisor. Yeah. So I was like, yo, whatever. I got some time. I'm not really doing anything. I'll do this license. Crushed it like four weeks. Got the license. So they're like, all right. So now you need to put together a list of 100 people in, your, in your network and their like, address, phone number. Dude, people don't, wanna, people don't like to talk insurance. People don't want to buy insurance. Oh, yeah. People don't like to. They're not open to that conversation. I am not like a salesy guy. Like, I can sell stuff that I really believe in, like, yeah. truly believe in. Yeah. I can convince you of it. But yeah. if I don't believe in it, I am the, the I can't fake it. Yeah. Like, there's no way. If you say no, all right, boss. Have all a right, good day. <laughs> and insurance people, like, to be successful, which a lot of people can be very, very successful and are very successful in the industry, you have to be a shark. Persistent, man. I was not that dude. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I tried. And then. I moved from Sun Life to a different brokerage and I started my own thing and I ended up servicing a couple of friends. But there's just too many things to know, uh, too many, you know, like I had no experience at all. I had no money. I had like I was like, yeah, I need to find a job with a salary. So, yeah, th- I knew that that wasn't going to be for me. So I kept my license. I mean, I still have the license now, but I don't really practice all that much. Just mm-hmm. people within the network who, who need help.
1: So wasn't for you, wasn't your personality type didn't doesn't doesn't look like you believed in it no um i mean i believe in like personal health benefits cuz you need it right
0: but uh, you, anything I mean, else life insurance i hate selling because i mean i i believe in it because they make it a necessity yeah but i mean i mean you no know, yeah, i don't want to get into the yeah. stance on that so <laughs> let's just move on from uh that.
1: <laughs> so the non-salesy guy next goes into a sales position yeah. next Um, so explain, explain how long you lasted in in insurance and what was the next move after that? Yeah.
0: So I lasted, um, I mean, like I said, I still have the license, but I, I lasted in the full time pursuing of it for like four months, maybe five (laughs) months at the end of the day, man, let's call it what it is. I was unemployed. Like I was just sitting at home, not doing anything, like trying my best to find people to put on a piece of paper. Right. I was sitting at home doing nothing. No responsibility. No accountability. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously, you know, at the time I'm like year eight, year seven in my relationship, I got her on my back. I got my mother and my father being like, "Yo, what's good? Like, what are your plans?" Yeah. So there's there's like a, a push to like, hey, figure it out, like right. do something. So I hit up uh, I hit up our friend who works for Randstad, uh, ironically, and right. I was like, "Yo, listen, I need a job." Um, shout out. Yeah, shout out. Shout out. Shout out to Randstad. Shout out to Fetty. Fetty. Yeah, so I hit, I hit him up. I was like, Yo, I need a job like that pays real salaries. Like, yo, we're <laughs> real salary. We got uh, what's it called? We got a call center in Mississauga, like a sales, Intuit. So QuickBooks, TurboTax, if anyone knows that, Intuit accounting makes software. That. Uh, so he's like, Yo, they're hiring for like a sales guy. I was like, All right, cool. I'll go to the interview. It was a group interview. I ended up getting the job. Mm-hmm. Did that for like six or seven months. I didn't last there, but I'll tell you that I learned great things from that place like i went i remember i didn't almost didn't get through the training because i couldn't ask questions like think about how ridiculous that is Mm -hmm. for a guy who has two podcasts to be like i didn't know how to structure questions like yeah it's hard and a lot of people who don't do this like on a regular basis it's hard to ask open-ended questions and have like real discussion Mm -hmm. um and like there's technique to it so that was a t th- that was a hard thing, but what I What did learned you
1: do? What what were what were you doing on a day to day basis?
0: I was outside sales or so pretty much like if you're a small business and you signed up for a QuickBooks Online free trial, right. I'd get your contact information, mm-hmm. I'd give you a call yeah. and try to pretty much turn that free trial into a subscription. Nice. Okay. And then you get commission based on the subscriptions, you have targets,
1: whatever the case may be. So still a sales role just to call Oh of like heavy, our insurance heavy it was a sales what? floor. Like yeah.
0: it was a there were sales targets KPIs bonus like it was sales floor uh, so I learned how to ask questions and structure conversations um, but like I said I'm not a sales guy like and ultimately I'm not a corporate guy like that's just yeah. not who I am yeah um so I I, it, I knew f- like fast that that wasn't gonna be it and I wanted to get in there because it's a great company mm-hmm. uh, and I was hoping to move up and get into HR that was the goal right from the get-go because that was what my education was in I had to sit down with the VP of HR. He was very candid, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Said, you know, if you're looking for that career, here's not it. We have two people, and they've been here like 20 plus years. Good luck. So it's very tough, and they're uh, usually in those cases there's lineage behind them. Uh, so it's not like it's going to be like, hey, who do we hire now? Like, <laughs> no, they're definitely grooming somebody. Grooming somebody else, yeah. So, uh, so I knew that that wasn't going to be it. So I, that's when I hit up um, Randstad again. There you go. Uh, but on this time for internal so Fetty referred me in-house mm. so I ended up getting a job at Randstad as a recruiter and that
1: was the beginning
0: of the journey in HR
1: so did you have any expectation when you were hitting up Fetty for that job as a recruiter did you when you walked into that job now and now obviously knowing what you know about that job did you see yourself you know working there for I think you were there for what three years three years Yeah. three years did you you know after working there for three years, if you remember the first day walking in, is it what you expected? No. Why not? Absolutely not. I didn't like. It took me like six months to learn the job. What like, did I didn't you, even What really were you? What were you in charge of at, at, at Randstad? And what were you? Like, what were you doing? Yeah. So
0: I walked in there thinking I was just gonna be a recruiter. Um, yeah. I didn't know it was gonna be as salesy as it was, mm-hmm. uh, because it was like sales recruitment. Right. Um. So what I was doing was I oversaw recruitment in Oakville. Mm-hmm. For initially, it was white collar, so administrative jobs, anything on a computer in an office. Yeah. Uh, all over Oakville. So anyone who wanted a job full-time, per, uh, part-time, temporary, whatever, they came to us. Randstad's mm-hmm. a recruitment agency, so there's a lot of agencies out there. Yeah. Pretty much just we're the middleman service that helps people find work. So I was focusing on that. Um, f- it was weird because when I first started, my head, my manager had gone on uh, maternity leave. My partner had left the company. Ooh like a weekend. So it was just myself in a chair that I oversaw a city in an industry. I didn't know. Uh, yeah. there was a lot of expectations because it's a sales organization mm. and they need, they need sales. results. They need sales. They need results. So they didn't really have, you know, they didn't really afford three months of non-production. And that's how long I was in, in white collar. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. I ended up, I got a partner like two and a half months in. It just wasn't working out. Like my, the role was just weird. And a recruiter position open on because my role initially was half sales, half recruitment. So like legit, like half the day I'd be recruiting. Yes. And the other I'd be like cold calling clients. Hey, are you looking for employees? We have employees.
1: So your clients are the companies. That's yes. That's what you're selling to. Yeah. And then you're recruiting actual people to work for these companies. Exactly. Half and half split there. Half and half split. Okay.
0: So I have half a sales, like my literally at twelve we flip, and okay. my partner would take over recruitment and I would do sales, and okay. vice versa uh so a pure 100 percent recruitment role opened up on the blue collar
1: side fire no more sales yeah
0: so exactly blue collar meaning uh industrial warehouse right forklift shipping receiving whatever the case may be so i was like yo this is great talk to the manager ended up getting moved and that's where i was for like two and a half years uh i i'm not gonna lie i enjoyed it i learned a lot from it but it was just very very stressful yeah every day was honestly it was tough like You're either getting yelled at by the client because somebody didn't show up for work Mm -hmm. or you're yelling at someone because they didn't show up for work Mm -hmm. or you're firing someone because they didn't show up for work. So it was always constant like bad news being delivered, which is taxing on a person. Yeah. Uh, And also when you factor in like covid and um, companies not really wanting to spend money and people losing their jobs and like us really bearing, because when you're not hiring, we're hurt. Like right. it kills our business yeah so in turn our sales were hurting and yeah. it was tough so uh the last year was just hectic mm-hmm. uh, It took a lot out of me uh and honestly i just i just know like i knew that that industry like corporate for me i kept trying different things right yeah clearly. i tried the insurance <laughs> i tried the Intuit. i did mercedes i i did uh into i did uh Rans rents that, that after yeah. for a couple of years so I knew that like this isn't the world for me, and yeah. training and development was something that I loved. It was something I was was actively trying to get into at Randstad, too.
1: Yeah, and it just didn't work out. Sometimes, no. sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yeah, it
0: didn't work out. I mean, I did I did get to train on and onboard new hires for a bit, which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, but it it wasn't sustainable. It didn't mm. really work out. Mm. Uh, but that was something again that I ended up gravitating towards. So it's like, all right, man, like you like to coach, you like to. To train and and do all these things and
1: teach basically yeah
0: exactly to teach to mm. guide like to mm. instruct whatever the word is that you want to use for it mm. that's it, it was like over and over and over just like leading you back to that so yeah. that's where I ended up being now
1: so before we get into that career, the career change at your time or while you're doing your time at Ranstead you decided to start your own podcast yeah um yeah. So talk about our own podcast. Our own podcast. Well, it's your show. I'll give you the credit here, you know, for you're the <laughs> one, right, you're, the, you're right. the guest here. Um you're the one who pushed for it most more than I did. I didn't I think you did a lot more pushing than I did. I, I wasn't as, I as proactive. I, you think, always that's, pushed, I so. think
0: that's the I think that's why our friendship has been successful for so long. Yeah. Is like that that dynamic. Yeah. Like if you pushed a lot, I don't think we'd get along. Probably
1: butt head heads a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um but so you push for it a lot. So Talk about, number one, working in something that isn't exactly your passion. So, for example, at that time you were at Randstad, HR isn't really your passion. You no, know. no, Talk about working in that and then also talk about starting a podcast and doing something that you are passionate about. And how do you either, you know, get satisfied enough where you're not, you know, hating your job every day or hating your life every day because you're not working in your passion How do you get satisfied enough or how do you maybe one day make that a a living? So, okay, loaded question. So working in something that you're not passionate
0: about is tough and I'm sure a lot of people can agree and probably can relate to that. Of course. It's it's really hard to have a job that you love. Like, it's hard work and a lot of people are fortunate to have it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people aren't. Like, sometimes their dreams like mine are outlandish and you can't really have what you want without really, like, going through hoops to get it. So Mm -hmm. working in something you're not passionate about is tough because you have to dig for ways to be motivated. You have to dig for ways to keep going. Um, But I think based on the the character that you're dealing with, like, for me personally, like, I didn't have passion for it, but I still worked my butt off. Like, I still... I still showed up and I still did the stuff that they needed me to get done. And Mm. I held it down. Honestly, I held it down. Like, (laughs) I'll say what it is. Like, I held it down. Yeah. So there's no question that it, depending on the character, but it is hard, man. It's Mm. hard to every single day to have to dig and dig and dig for it. And like, I only did it for three years. Like, some people are doing this. 20, 30, 40 years of something that they're not passionate about. Yeah. And over time, I guess you just learn to deal with it. You're like, whatever. It just pays the bills. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's like when, when podcasting started, that's, I think that's when I even understood how to be passionate about something. Yeah. You know, like I never really like, bro, you can attest to this. Like when we started it, like, we didn't know it would be where it is
1: today. No idea. I like, thought we were just having fun. Like, we were just doing some Honestly, fun. like, yeah. we
0: started it in Kiro's kitchen. Like, we were literally yeah. <laughs> huddled around a mic, like, trying not to get too close. Yeah. And just recording on his kitchen counter. And, I mean, fast forward a couple of years, it is what it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are things, like, the, the passion, as it grows, pushes you to different levels and different heights. Like yeah. It, to be successful in a passion, like, honestly, you got to live and breathe it. Yeah. You got to live and breathe it. Like every single, like the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I check how many plays each episode has on both platforms. (laughs) I'll check (laughs) our Twitter, see if there's any interactions. Check, like, that's the first thing I do in the morning. Yeah. Like, I dream of this stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you have those experiences. Kiro probably has those. Like, when we're entrenched, like, we're knee deep in this stuff. Yeah. Like, you have to. And And, And that's the only way I think that, like, a to be like stupid passionate and and to like really like love the crap out of it but mm-hmm. also surround yourself with people who have equal passion for it. Nice, that's a good and, one. Like obviously sometimes you're going to have to do it on your own which is a lot harder. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing it in a group effort, like look, really look around you and hold people accountable and make sure like are we all on the same level here? Mm-hmm. Because there as you know is a fair share of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like we've think about how much we've done time effort money we put into the podcast and we've yielded one penny yeah. in two years yeah u.s dollars penny so Ooh, i mean it's like five five cents five dollars uh, five, five five yeah. <laughs> so i mean that's the key like we're not making money but we're still our effort is incrementally getting more and more, more, and more. more. you know like so it's you need to surround yourself with people that have equal like that equal vision yeah uh equal-minded vision as you because it's going to be really hard a when you're by yourself but even harder when it's you putting in ninety, yeah, hundred and everyone else is putting in 30, 40 Yeah. Um I had a I had a conversation on this podcast with Mark Michael and he said something that really like obviously we're not at that level yet, uh, but he when they were his company when they were getting to that level, they had yeah. a conversation and said either you drop your job and your whole thing and do this full time or you You're jet. Out. Yeah. Uh like obviously we're not at that point but that's the level of commitment that you're going to need from people mm-hmm. like and to have that you, like if i look at you and say do you believe that we can get to this level you say yes like you need someone to have that you, like you can't have someone who's going to be like now nah, you know what like it's not it's hard it's impossible like mm-hmm. it's because it's easy to it's easy to fall into that yeah like think about how many times like a, t- a year and a half ago big ah you know i was kind of lazy today i don't want to record an episode yeah Uh, yeah you know let's take the day off yeah and then you go two three or like the off season ah you know we don't have to record now you miss like three four months so it 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 can be man if you don't have the right support system and you're doing something crazy like like a podcast or Mm. whatever it is that you want to make it in Mm -hmm. and i like we talk about this all the time, the amount of Coptic people right now that are coming out with these great things and yeah. all these different skills that uh, that they're showcasing. So everyone has these dreams that they want to do this for, like, I want to turn this into a full-time job. So you need to have like like-minded people around you for sure. So,
1: so talk about first starting that podcast because we had no idea what we were doing, yeah. what structure, what, you know, what we wanted to say. We were so robotic in the beginning, especially too. If, if you go back and listen to those first <laughs> four episodes, it was sure. awful, awful stuff. But, Talk about, you know, learning how to run a podcast, what to do, and then also talk about this is basketball. This is something we, you and I are both passionate about, and even though we are both passionate about it, like you said, we would take nights off. We would uh, say, oh, not this week. We'll record next week. No worries. I would literally come over to your house and just lay on the couch. I'm like, ah, I'm not feeling it. And yeah. you would just say, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Bun Bun it. It. Let's do it. Let's do we'll it, do it We'll do it tomorrow. We'll, we'll do it tomorrow. Do whatever it may be. Yeah. So talk about not knowing and figuring it out. And then talk about also, even though you are passionate about it, you still have to have the drive to do it. Yeah, for sure. Not knowing it, I think, is because podcasting itself
0: is brand new. Like, it's just been a thing for the last couple of years. Like, obviously, some people hit the podcast uh, world like five, six years ago. But those are like the early, early pioneers. First movers there, I'd say like two, three years ago is really when it started to take off. Yeah. And um, it was... Serial was the first podcast that I fell in love with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adnan's story. Remember that? Um, yeah, yeah. Adnan Said, I think his name is. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so I fell in love with that podcast. and I was like, this is an amazing way to take in content mm-hmm. because I'm driving. You know how I feel about driving. I love being in the car. Yeah. I love driving and I drive a lot. I drove a lot for work and I don't have the time or patience to sit in front of a YouTube channel and watch a YouTube podcast interview. Or read. Or or. I hate reading. Uh, yeah, exactly. I despise reading. <laughs> so I was like, man, if I can just throw this on, it's different than an ebook because an ebook, they're reading this book to you, but this is like a conversation. It's casual. Yeah. It feels like I'm in the room with them. Yeah. Nice. So it was, it was very personal. Um, and I loved the way she structured it with, um, you know, people from the case close to the case interviewed on their yeah. sound bites uh, news bits. Like it was just amazing. So I fell in love, and then that's when, like, basketball podcasting started to really pick up. Mm -hmm. Woj Pod and Zach Lowe, the Low Post, those were, like, the first two, I'd say, the pioneers, and then the Ringer introduced a bunch of them. So there's a lot now. There's a lot out there now, yeah. uh, But just a great way, again, to take in content, and it's convenient. And, like, a lot of listeners Mm -hmm. love it. Like, think about how many people commute on a daily basis, whether it be work or or driving or subway Mm -hmm. or bus, whatever the case may be. So flights, like, everyone's flying, like, everyone's traveling. Yeah.
1: I love it, so we ran fade away. it's been almost what three years now, two and two and a two half, and a half yeah. years, three years now, and at the two year mark, roughly, you decided that you want to take on another podcast,
0: yeah, right uh, before the two year mark
1: didn't, didn't really ask me any questions. You just told me your idea was a little bit hurt, but it's all <laughs> right, no big deal. I supported you, I liked your idea, I think it was a grand idea, I think it was a great idea, and I think your your personality was a very good fit for that that concept. Speak about what you took from our mistakes from the fadeaway and how you implemented that so far yeah. into the Lions Den.
0: I wouldn't even say from our mistakes, but I'd say from the lessons learned. The lessons, yeah. Uh, because we, like, one thing, I'll, uh, one thing I'm proud of our, our fadeaway platform for is, uh, or one thing I'm proud of yeah. from our, our platform is we strive for excellence. Like we don't release stuff that we think is Not good. 75, 80% even, 85%. Our sound quality, mm-hmm. I don't, you can't touch it. Like I, we have great sound quality for, we had great sound quality for a podcast that was a year in. Yeah. You know, sound quality is a big thing for a lot of people. We, we made our editing very efficient. Yeah, uh, we we found out how to bring guests in the show. Mm-hmm. We found out how to edit properly, like uh, use Audacity. Right. We found out how to put together graphics. Kiro sat down and trained us on yeah. graphics PK. and like you know like shout out to PK. Uh, so there's all these things that I learned from the Fadeaway made this lines then so much easier mm-hmm. because I knew how to bring in a guest. I knew how to match the guest's audio with my audio and make it efficient. I knew how to put my logo on a graphic. I knew how to use headliner. Yeah. To put, so there's so many things that you learn mm-hmm. that you transfer in terms of like the logistics of running a podcast for
1: sure. So what would you say is the biggest advice to anybody who wants to start a podcast or because we've talked to people who've, who want to start podcasts mm-hmm. and they, they've, they've asked you, they've for asked sure. myself, what do I need to do? What do I, how should I think? Yeah. So what's your biggest, maybe top three adv- pieces of advice for people that mm-hmm. I want to start one. I'm just not sure. What do I do? Yeah, that's that's key, because I think a lot of people now as podcasting grows and as it becomes
0: easier to produce podcasts, Mm -hmm. people are it's itching their curiosity. They're like, you know, I want to do this. I, you know, a lot of people in our community have pages where they talk about specific things, wellness, mental health, whatever the case may be. Right. Right. Sometimes you want to throw a podcast in there and bring a personality out, whatever the case may be. If you want to start a podcast, the number one and we say this to every single person, the Mm -hmm. number one thing you need. Is consistency, consistency of your content and consistency of releasing. So what do you mean by consistency of content? So what that means is, is your topic going to yield enough content Content. that you can release on a weekly basis or whenever you want, whatever basis you want? Well, we can get into that in a bit because you can do essentially whatever you want. But if you want a chance to survive in this crazy, growing, fast industry, you need minimum one a week. Dang. Like podcasts are putting out two a week right now.
1: Yeah, you're right. Consistent.
0: Yeah. Like lines that I'm putting out two a week and I'm and fade away, I'm sure maybe at some point we down the road do when two, we yeah. when we make everything efficient enough, we can pump out two a week. So two weeks is, is the trend. So two. one a week I'd say is the minimum. So let's say for example you want to do bi weekly. So can your can your content generate enough or can your topic generate enough content? That's the main thing. And can you come out every week and and come out with a, an episode come out yeah. with new content engaging content stuff mm-hmm. that i want to listen to because mm-hmm. that's the hardest thing like think about the fadeaway our content is contingent on the nba yeah right this past off season with covid we didn't we have, have to put, anything we have to put on our big boy pants and figure out how do we continue to bring content yeah thankfully we're in an industry that pumps out content even when they're not playing there's storylines there's trades there's right. free agency acquisitions injuries covet health and safety whatever the case and then may we be. started interviewing people and then you start interviewing people how do you grow your platform well i mm. need to get someone who has three thousand followers so they can share it yeah and i get another guy who's well equipped like we we spoke to a guy called blake murphy Oof. and think about what he just putting his interview on our twitter when people see our account they're like oh they spoke to, to blake that's influence we're going to give these guys a follow. And that's how yeah. you continue to grow. So you figure out creative ways to grow. And, mm. and, you know, like we set a KPI this last couple of months of like shots, you know, how many shots you're going to take a day. Shoot your and, shot. And, in the DMs. and yeah, what we mean by that is we wanted guests. So you DM crazy. Guys. It doesn't matter who the NBA player don't Okay. I've had interactions with JJ Reddick on Twitter. I've yeah. had, uh, we've had Tim Livingston on the podcast and, and I mean, he's a great guy. So yeah. that's all we can say about yeah. that for now. But He's a great guy. Um, so it's just about building relationships and building uh, consistent content. Like you just have to be out there. You have to know your industry, know mm-hmm. your competition, know your market. Yeah. Um, understand who your listeners are, yeah. the demographic, look at the stats. Like there's is, a lot, man. It's a loaded world.
1: This is a lot more than just sitting on a mic and, Doing the podcast no, it requires a big commitment outside of actually recording oh man you're one a week or you twice a week well, the thing
0: of thing about it this way recording the podcast is one hour of the week
1: right and
0: managing the podcast Full is time. every other hour of the week yeah because we're especially now with the fadeaway we're pumping out content on a daily basis pictures uh trying to share videos to the story youtube right. videos clips you name it like shout mm-hmm. out to mac or, or social know, media, mac, our social media our social media head thank you so uh, shout out to her. She's she's killing the game. So it's it's tough, man. And the thing about it is and we talk about this all the time. It's like you add more people. It doesn't make your job less. It no. just adds more because now they're doing more. But your job doesn't get any less because
1: there's always stuff to be put out. And look who you're competing with. It's it's amazing that you're you're talking about now about connections. And I want to kind of pinpoint on connections and relationships, relations, whatever you want to call it. Throughout your career, it's. Been a lot of connections and it's been about a lot about relationships, not about you know applying to the job online and getting the interview. Like we said, shout out to Faddy, Fatty hooked you up twice. Yep, um, away. If I, I have never seen anybody slide into the DMs better than Faddy, <laughs> I might get in trouble for that statement. But Faddy would legit that's why she wiped me up so fast. <laughs> that Faddy would legit for the fadeaway Kidding. piece would slide into. Any random person's DMs that he he thought would be great for our show, and he would get them a lot. Of your success yeah, rate yeah, was yeah, pretty yeah. good. It was, it was pretty it was pretty wild, so, and Th- so and and those people would suggest other people to slide into or get us other people to talk about the importance of relationship. It seems like it's a lot more who you know and not what you know. Yeah.
0: And there's strategy to it too. Like if you look at our like people from the outside probably look at, oh, they have this guy on. Oh, they had this guy on. Oh, cool. They had this guy on. But if you really look at it, like we yeah. had a strategy. Like we started out like we had reached out to Samson Folk and he yeah. gave us a great opportunity to be on his, the Raptors podcast. Republic podcast. And he came onto our podcast. So shout out to Sam. Yeah. But he he made it happen. Like that was a huge stepping stone for us because Sam turned into Lewis. It turned into uh william lou and it turned into blake murphy right right so you, that's that's where i mean like there's a technique you go after the guys who that's why you have to know your industry and mm-hmm. know who's in your market and know who has influence mm-hmm. and you build you use the connection now, hey sam like we need to we're trying to build we want to talk to cool people who do you know hey you guys should check out will yeah lou and blake murphy will lou is a big personality on raptor twitter he's a part of yahoo blake yeah. murphy's a part of the athletic yeah he's a big personality on Raptors Twitter. So. Another thing, too, is when one of them starts responding to you, a little bit of a barrier inside you falls because you're like, OK, well, these people are answering me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we listened to Tim Livingston's podcast, The Whistleblower. We fell in love instantly. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I listened to it twice. Yeah. I was like, I need to find this guy immediately. And I sat there in my car and I Googled his name, mm-hmm. like Tim Livingston Twitter. And I looked and I found it. I was like, wow, this guy, like pretty low key Twitter account. Like, I fig- I you know, I would have figured he was out here. And I was mm-hmm. like, let's see DM them um he replied to me four hours later i was like dang i was at a work meeting and i checked my phone i'm like tim livingston what like yeah. that's surreal this yeah. is this is a guy i was listening to in my car a couple of days ago being like hey mm-hmm. i'm totally game so that breaks down barriers and then tim brings on rashid wallace is like yeah i just spoke to a guy who knows yeah, rashid, rashid wallace. wallace who knows gilbert arenas who knows Bonzi <laughs> wells like who knows tim donahy like this is it breaks down that barrier so now when i'm dming or sliding into whoever I don't care anymore like what's the worst you can say no and like think about the personality i've spoken to on i've spoken to artists uh who are a part of universal who do tours who a guy in in florida who's a drummer for a band like i'm getting to know people who i never thought i would get to know and Mm -hmm. it, it breaks down that barrier
1: you feel like you can be in the same room yeah, exactly, and yep. it, and one one person leads to another, and it leads to another, and it just and you got to build, man. you got to exactly. There's technique you to keep. everything. It's
0: not just freehand, like you know, do whatever you want to do. Like you got to figure out. Okay, we know that Raptors Republic is is a great platform, but it's easy, like it's easier to get mm-hmm. than a Blake Murphy off the get go. Who Blake yeah. Murphy just so happened to be an alumni. Yeah. So you build and you build and you build and and it just. The growth that we've seen in the last six seven months from the re- like the relationships that we formed, yeah, it's surreal.
1: Yeah, it's surreal. And and th- that's one thing too. Like having Blake Murphy on our podcast is what got us that first um, network. Someone mm-hmm. from a, from a network had seen that we had gotten Blake Murphy. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and and the question that we asked them was, why Why did you want to recruit us? Why us? She said, you had Blake Murphy on, so you must be good. Yeah. And that's the importance of relationships and how much relationships impact where you could go next.
0: It's all about the relationships. Exactly.
1: So, you know, we've, we've spoken about podcasting and now we're kind of to current till today. I want to hit on one thing before we get into teaching. And for me, I always knew you never really wanted to do what you were doing while you're doing it. When you're into it, you never really want to do it. Randstad, you never you, you, your heart wasn't there. So, yeah. me personally, I'd always try to find you some jobs. <laughs> I'd always try to see internally. My, man, shout out to my mom. My mom would always send you city postings internally yeah, and be like, yeah. Fetty's HR, Fetty's HR, give this to Fetty, give it to yeah, Feddy. So I had a
0: lot of real ones in my corner. We
1: had we would try to get you jobs, and lo and behold, right before or right when this PCC opportunity came about, I had referred you to a job while I was at my, my stint in EY for a campus recruitment position. And this is yeah. a position that you loved, and you always had an interest in campus recruitment. Yeah from university speak about that that recruitment process obviously you ultimately didn't get the job yeah also talk about dealing with that kind of disappointment yeah it was uh it was tough because
0: so i i had um i had interviewed for the teaching job and 10 minutes before i got the job i got an interview with ey yeah so i was like wow i was about to shift my career i was like mentally prepared to quit Mm-hmm. my job mm-hmm. um, and, and start my new opportunity. And then somewhat of a surreal opportunity comes up and considering, you know, like the company, the position,
1: the industry. Yeah, EY, so is, EY is Ernst & Young, big yeah, four Ernest accounting Young. firm in the world. Head office. Top yeah. four. Yeah. In Toronto.
0: And it was, it was a campus recruitment opportunity. So something I couldn't really pass up, like I'm not going to pass up this interview yeah, because I thought this could be a great sign as don't leave the industry, yeah, or what it ended up being eventually was this leave. is the right move <laughs> to get to get the heck out, so I ended up getting uh, a first interview and then I got a second interview, and then I'm doing four interviews, four in, interviews in a four week span, uh so it extended that process about another month, right, and then I just got a generic email one day being like, "Hey, you didn't get the job, thanks for trying it's like. Really, like four interviews later, like that, <laughs> and and the impatience was ridiculous. Like, I couldn't think straight, I couldn't work, I couldn't focus. Yeah, like, is this gonna happen? And I start to think, like, what's gonna happen if I go downtown, like, campus recruiter? What's that gonna mean? Mm. Uh, what's you gonna thought be you for had my it? Career, I thought I was a shoe in, like, based on how the interviews went, I thought I did really well. Mm. Uh, ended up not getting it. Uh, it was heartbreaking, uh, it was very, very tough. But it was it took me about five, ten minutes to figure out, like, OK, I think that this is like a clear cut sign now. Yeah. That you need to get out. Mm-hmm. And like, so far has been the best decision. Yeah. So let's, let's
1: talk about how, how has like the, the transition been. What did you expect and what are you actually learning or doing and like been like, wow, this is not at all what I expected.
0: Yeah, and and shout out to anyone who's made a career change. Is there's a lot of things to consider and a lot of things to be nervous about. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one thing, especially if you're like in my situation, I'm married, I have a house, like bills, mm-hmm. so I can't really afford to drop off an in income slash no income at all. Yeah. So a career shift often entails education. Yes. Um, which requires some sort of time off or a financial burden of a commitment. So yeah. I was fortunate enough to get into a private school where you don't need the education piece mm-hmm. per se. Um, even though it's good and I'm still looking at programs to get it, mm-hmm. I didn't need it to make that switch. So it was it was a no-brainer for me. Uh, I was able to just make the switch. Uh, the, the hardest thing for anyone is to make sure that there's a security blanket when you make that switch. Yeah, I was very fortunate because I had that blanket, mm-hmm. but there's still things to consider. Like, am I going to like it? Like, what if... Like what does this mean? One of the biggest things for me was what does this mean for my resume if I try to get back to HR? Ooh. Like what is this like if I put Stuff. this on my resume or if I don't put it on my resume and let's say I apply to a job a year later and there's a year gap. What happens? You know, like what it, do I bring that up and if I bring that up in the interview does that scare people away? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you better be sure of this move cuz it's going to be pretty tough to to control Z and go back. <laughs> uh and that was that was honestly probably the biggest thing on my mind was what does this mean for my future in this industry if I tried to come back?
1: Yeah. So how was dealing with kids every day? It's a different – you're, great, not, you're not dealing with, with grown-ups like you used to. It's great, to. man. It's great.
0: Like dealing with adults was terrible for me because <laughs> it's like this is what this is what it is. Yeah. Like there's no molding you or shaping you. Like yeah. This is just who you are. Yeah. Uh, but, man, like it's it's a surreal experience. Working in a school that has 300 students, I know everybody. I've gotten a chance to teach most grades. Like when I started, I was doing supply for about a month and a half. Yeah. And then when the second semester started is when I took over classes fully. So I got I got a chance to meet pretty much all the students. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. Like they look up to you. Uh, it's a great like bonding relationship, and just like the innocence in these kids. Like yeah. it's so different than what I was coming from, having to deal with being on the phone all day with just like grumpy people who <laughs> hate life and like aren't really happy to be where they are. And yeah, yeah like. You know, it was just it was tough. It was taxing, and like to just like walk by the JKS every day, like and they're just like jumping around like and as if like nothing's going on in the world. Like, it's pretty great. I enjoy it, and honestly, working with a lot of people I'm familiar with, working in a place I'm very familiar with, right? Um, it, it's a very fortunate situation for me. You, Shout out to Shree Lewis, by the way. Yeah, Shree Lewis, I had him on the pod, and he was the one that opened the world of uh, possibility to me that you can actually work as a teacher without. A Being uh, you know, a teacher by degree. Yeah. And he's the one that sent me the PCC job
1: posting. Awesome. So. All right. Shout out shout to out Sharif. Shout out Sharif. Uh, you told me the hardest thing that you've taught or the hardest thing to teach right now is your, I think, it's a, it's a gym class. Yeah. Who would have thought tough, that man. would be the toughest tough. course right now? Why? Why are you having so much trouble with gym?
0: Because, man, like, first of all, it's COVID. I have to make sure oh, all these right. kids are wearing their masks. Yeah. And, man, like, six-year-olds playing in the gym like it's hard to get all their attention to do one task yeah and then if there's any sort of competition like Mm. there's instant crying if they lose there's you know there's always the situation where they get hurt because they're so clumsy and then Mm. they cry so it's like man like dealing with that it's a big babysitting sesh like Mm. i love teaching uh but i think i'm meant for the older grades yeah like i like (laughs) my fours but my high school class is amazing uh i like my fours a lot but the one to three is tough they're cute cute as hell yeah and uh actually it's funny because most of the kids I teach are actually the children of my former Sunday school teachers. Oh yeah. It's uh, true, right, so there's, right. yeah, there's constant communication if there's any like uh Mizzy any Haley. clownship going <laughs> on, you know? Uh, but no, they're, they're all good kids. And it's just, like I said, like the, the innocence in the kids yeah. is, uh, is, is great. It makes you look forward to it.
1: Now, looking back on your journey to date, it, it's kind of been a lot of uncertainty, a lot of not knowing a lot of, figuring it out as you go now that you're in a position where you're kind of like okay this is a bit more my thing i'm a bit more comfortable what would i guess your advice be to a 18 a, a year old fatty or somebody that might be in a position right now where they're uncertain they're not sure For, honestly
0: like, I'm, I'm never comfortable if really? we're being real
1: yeah like
0: yeah i'm comfortable in, in the decision that i made i think it's a great decision but mm. i mean i still have a podcast that i have dreams of blowing up. Yeah. So I'm never comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like there it everything always it, it, like there's always a how do I do this better even with teaching like I'm very much in the learning and forming phase of becoming a teacher. Like there's more to teaching than showing up in the classroom. Like you have to actually morph into being a teacher. Mm. And that's like the checking in with the parents, the babying, the extra explanation. Like yeah. there's so many, like coming from a business background where everything's generic. You're just sending like notes here and there, like professional, kind you know of what thing. it is? Like you can't, and I have to dumb down the way I speak. Like I can't, you know, like, I had the, a bunch of six year olds lined up and I was like, okay guys, this is the obje- objective of the game. And they're like, what? What?" <laughs> like, yeah. Like, how do I explain objective? I'm like, it's just objective. Like, How do you not know what objective is? They're like six years old. Like what's going on? Like, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so to tell 18 year old me, I don't even know what I would tell 18 year old me because I feel like everything I went through since 18 mm-hmm. helped form this person, like yeah, so I, I don't know. i feel like just go through it again and figure it out. Maybe yeah. you use your co-op term a little bit better. <laughs> but I mean everything happens for a reason. like That's I didn't true. I didn't end up getting hired back there like um, after university. I never really got a chance to apply, but they never called me back. And they right. called a couple other people back, so I knew what it was. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. I hear you. I see you. I no, see hard, you. No hard feelings. No yeah. hard
1: feelings. One day I'll give you the autograph. No worries. Uh, also, man. talk about the, the outlandish dreams you have of the pods.
0: Oh, man. We're going to cover the Raptors on a <laughs> national level. That's that's no question. Yeah. Uh, what did we say before? And to anyone who's in like involved with our circle like knows we talk to these people. We said in 2021, before the end of the year, we will have an NBA player yeah. on the show. Yeah. Who knows? Just
1: saying, Who knows?
0: I'm just saying. I'm just
1: saying. I'm just saying. That's going to happen.
0: So We're going to cover them on a national level. That's the outlandish dream. It's going to continue. And I'm going to la- make my podcast a full time job.
1: That's the dream. And then lastly, uh, for, for this podcast, for the Lions, then, looking back at when you first started, has your vision changed at all? Has your intention or your motivation changed at all to where you are now 50 episodes deep motivation
0: uh no because i think i it's everything i wanted to get done and more uh Mm. that i think i would get this far this fast and talk to this kind of broad variety of people absolutely not Mm -hmm. i didn't think that this many people would be interested in it right off the bat i didn't think it would generate this much uh like for lack of better words yeah interest in like getting getting more guests and just like continuing to build. So I didn't think it would get to that level. Mm. Um, But in terms of motivation behind it, like I still, the idea is I want people to really understand the different options that they have available. Yeah. But also primarily, like we said, like there's more levels, there's more opportunities for success than what some people are, you know, wired to think. Yeah. Uh, And it's, I mean, everyone has a crazy dream that they're following and, Sometimes they just need to be told about other people that are doing it, and it helps them. Like I had, I had Chris Fehmi on, who is now verified on TikTok, Mm -hmm. and somebody reached out to me and said, "Man, thank you so much for having him on. Like I'm now gonna go and you know pursue my dream of being creative in my own way." And then they started their own thing. Nice. So like that's the influence that I strive for, and like that—that's what it's about, man.
1: Honestly. Well, that is a gem. Packed episode yeah, yeah. we're at an hour and like six i wanted to thank you for uh, asking me to do this this is actually really fun i always thought my first time on lions then would be as a guest but uh it's it, this is a pretty cool experience guest, as host. Well. guest host um but yeah you know 50 episodes deep thank you to everybody who has already been on the lions then as a guest uh the guests you've had like show has shown a lot of different routes for kids to take a lot of different Talent in our community that we had no idea we had. For sure. Um, and you know, Obed, fifty more, bro. Thank Obed you, thank, 50 more. Thank you for letting me do this. This was fun. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Um, thanks for hopping on. It was uh, it was dope. Uh,
0: I hope I got enough of the story out. You asked a lot of great questions. Mm. I, I don't think I've ever actually like sat down and like talked about this.
1: No, I had to remind you that you worked at Mercedes. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <know>. I generated <laughs> questions before, and it was like a quarter of this. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, man. Thanks again. I appreciate it.
1: All right. And uh, for episode 50, that's a wrap. And uh, tune in for more episodes. Also, tune into the fadeaway. Yeah, the fadeaway.
0: <laughs> tune in. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify,
1: wherever. All the good stuff. All right. Peace. We'll come at
0: you next episode.